Good morning. So do you miss football? No. Oh, shoot. Well, there goes my message. I know some of you do. And uh, for those who are football fans, February is kind of a depressing month. You know, we've been through this whole season. It starts at the end of August. So you go through September and October, November, December, January, you've got the playoffs. February, you've got the Super Bowl. And then nothing. And it's... You know, there, you go through withdrawal for uh, those who are football fans. You go through a kind of season of withdrawal. So this is for you. Do you remember the playoffs? The playoffs. There was this great playoff game that took place. It was the AFC championship between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. Now, this was supposed to be a really good game, two really good uh, Great young quarterbacks, strong defense. This was going to be, you know, a, a great game. Houston was uh, expected to win, but, you know, you never know. And so I was pretty excited about seeing this game. We went home after church, had some lunch. Josh came over, and uh, we turned on the game. And uh, first, first series of downs, Houston scores a touchdown. Like, oh, well, that was bad because we were kind of for Kansas City. And so then uh, Kansas City does three and out. They punt the ball. It's blocked. Houston runs it in for a touchdown. This is really not good. By the end of the first quarter, going into the second quarter, it was 24 to nothing, Houston. Josh and I tapped out, said game's over. We went outside. And uh, about 40 minutes later, Marilyn comes out and says, it's halftime, the score's 28-24, Kansas City. What? What? Crazy. So I thought she was lying. Um, not that she does that, but it was just that crazy. Uh, so we went inside and watched the second half of this game, and this team was on fire. Kansas City was on fire, led by this young quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, and it was amazing to watch. The second half of this game, they came out, and they were still just on fire. They ended up winning the game 51-31. to 31. They went from being 24 down to winning the game by 20 points. It's unheard of in an NFL play game, uh, playoff game to do that kind of thing. In the interview after the game, Patrick Mahomes shared how that morning he had texted all of his teammates, and his text just was, let's do something special. Let's do something special. And man, did they ever. They brought all of their skills, they brought all of their talent, but there was something else, something else at play there, something else at work there that created that unexpected win after being down 24 to nothing. And that thing is passion. Passion. We're in a five-week series. This is week four of a five-week series where we're looking at things that count. We're reading the letters that Paul wrote to his young protege, Timothy. And, um, in those letters, it's clear that Timothy is struggling with some things going on in his church. He's leading a church, and, um, and there's some 
controversies and struggles and um, difficulties going on. And so Paul is encouraging this young protege of his. And he's writing to him about things that matter that he should pay attention to and things that don't matter and get involved with. And so we're kind of teasing out from these two letters, what are the things that count? One of the things we've discovered is the things that count aren't easy to count. Oftentimes in the church, we count easy things, numbers of people and budgets and sizes of buildings and so forth. But Paul doesn't mention any of that in terms of what counts. So he talked about one of the things that counts is a church where disciples make disciples who make disciples. A church where disciples make disciples who make disciples. In other words, as you're leading, um, as you're growing in your faith, you're helping others to grow who are helping others to grow. The second thing is good teaching. Good teaching counts. Teaching about who Jesus was, what Jesus taught, how Jesus lived. Good teaching counts. And the third thing is that beyond teaching, beyond our words, our lives should be a reflection of who Jesus is, who Jesus was. And so how we live our day-to-day life counts. Now this morning, I want to talk about passion. It's a hard thing to count, but passion counts. You see, passion is what transforms religion into a relationship. Religion is about following rules. Relationship is about following the living Christ. We need passion in our faith if we're going to follow Christ well. Passion creates an endurance and an energy that is necessary for the long haul in life. Passion creates that endurance and that energy that we need to live a life of faith over the long haul of life with all of the struggles and challenges that come with life. You know, think about athletics. It's a great example, really, because an athlete can have great skills, know the game inside and out, and still never be a prevailing, uh, be part of a prevailing team. The difference in great teams is this hard-to-count thing called passion. I just heard that um, this weekend, apparently we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. You remember this? <laughs> Somebody remembers. This was the U.S. Olympic hockey team in 1980. I was very young, a a mere child. Um, My parents told me about it. (laughs) Actually, in college. Um, But they... um, this team of, you know, college kids who were brought together to, to form this team, this kind of ragtag team, um, wasn't expected to do much, but they, they came together as a team and they began to work their, uh, to win games and miraculously ended up in the semifinals against the Russian team. 
Now, the Russian team was this hardened group of professional hockey players. They were older. They were men. They were highly skilled. They were even expected to possibly win the gold medal. And here the American team is playing against them and win. It was amazing. If you haven't, if you weren't around, you ought to watch the movie because it was a great movie as well, uh, seeing how that all played out. But that missing piece for the Russian or that present piece for that U.S. team was passion. Passion. So the Apostle Paul, I believe, is telling Timothy, you've got to have passion. So let's take a look. We're looking at the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. So it's 2 Timothy. It's the first chapter. We're going to look at just three verses together, uh, verses 5 through 8. All right? That's actually four, but it's okay. All right, so verse 5 says this. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that was first, that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. So what's Paul doing here? Paul is recognizing that Timothy's struggling, and he's encouraging him. He's reminding him of his faith. He says, that faith in you is genuine. Another translation is, your faith has integrity. It's woven in every part of you, Timothy. You have this genuine, integrated faith. It's the same faith that your grandmother and your mom had. So he's pointing him to these other mentors in his life. This is why it's so important. This is why, again, we, we're always um, encouraging folks to get involved in small groups, to be part of a group where you can develop some mentors in your life. Disciples making disciples who are making disciples. Timothy has these reference points. He has the Apostle Paul. He has his grandma. He has his mom. That faith that he saw in them is in him. Do you have mentors in your life? I certainly do, including a grandmother. My grandmother, uh, Mary Keating, my mom's mom, was a woman of deep and profound faith. And I watched her live out her faith as a boy and as, as a uh, young man before she passed. Her faith inspires me. I've had other mentors in my life whose faith informed my own faith and becomes a touch point. So when life gets hard, when, when uh, struggles come, I have these reference points, these other mentors who help, helped my faith grow. You know, think about it. Again, we're talking about using athletics uh, this morning. So uh, Tom Brady has a coach Tiger Woods has a coach. You never get so advanced in your sport that you don't need input from somebody else. So that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, your faith, Timothy, is genuine. It's the same faith that your mentors had. And Timothy, it's strong in you. He's encouraging him. He's reminding him. He's stoking the passion into his young protege. 
Okay, then moving on, verses 6 and 7 say this. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Man, that's packed with a lot right there. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift that God gave you when I lay. So, so Paul lays his hands on Timothy and prays over him, prays over this God-given gift that Timothy has to be used to powerfully impact the world. And Paul is saying, you've got this gift Fan it back into flame. It's the image of, in your mind's eye, if you can picture, a campfire or a fireplace. You know what happens over time as as it uh, burns out and, and you've got just this bed of glowing coals but no fire, no flame? What do you do? And as you do that, what happens? All of a sudden, the flames come back. Paul is saying you need to breathe new life into this God-given gift that you have. Every one of you here has a God-given gift that God gave you to be able to impact the lives of other people for his kingdom. And sometimes we forget it, and sometimes we ignore it, and sometimes life gets hard, and we just allow it to kind of die down, and it needs to be fanned into flame, blown into flame, new breath blown into it. When uh, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs were down 24 to nothing, Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, began to walk up and down the sidelines talking to his teammates and saying to them again, let's do something special. Let's do something special. What was he doing? (sighs) He's blowing into their lives, into their skill set, into their talents. He's breathing new life into this passion so that they're going to be able to claw their way back from a 24-point deficit. That they're not going to be so discouraged and give up. And as they got reignited, Mahomes then turns to the crowd. They're at their home stadium, right? And in, you know, the, in the Midwest, unlike here in the Northeast, when your team's doing badly, you just get quiet. <laughs> right? In the link, if they're doing that badly, it isn't quiet, right? Boo! You're terrible! They're much more genteel in the Midwest. So Mahomes, you know, to this quiet crowd, starts waving his arms, you know, like, let's go, let's go, get back in this game, to the fans. And the fans, seeing the passion of this young quarterback, 
get back into the game and they start cheering again. And then some good things begin to happen on the field and that ignites the crowd even further, which ignites the players even further. And pretty soon this whole place is on fire. It's that passion that sometimes just we need somebody to come along and stoke it in us again and say, you can do this. You've got this. Fan it into flame, Timothy, the gift that God has given you. Because, and then he goes on and says, because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear or timidity. The other translation for timidity is cowardice. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear or cowardice. When we're making fear-based decisions, those are not Holy Spirit-led decisions. I say it all the time. Don't make fear-based decisions. That doesn't mean that you do everything, you know, that you just do flyers and you don't think about stuff and you don't uh, do all the hard work and so forth. But it's, there's a difference between thinking something through and making a fear-based decision. A fear-based decision says, oh, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work? What if I can't do it? That's all fear and that's not of the spirit. It drives me crazy when churches' leadership make fear-based decisions rather than putting their faith in God and trusting that if God is calling you to do a difficult thing, go with him. Because that's when you get to see God at work. God didn't give us a fear or cowardice. Instead, instead, he gave you a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. That word power is the word, the Greek word dunamis, which is where we get our English word dynamite. That's power, right? It's this energy, it's this explosiveness, it's this power, it's this passion. God, through the Spirit, has given you power. Not fear, not cowardice, but power. And sometimes we forget that. And we get so fearful and so caught up in all of the overwhelming things of life that we lose touch with the power that lives in you through the Spirit of God. You have dunamis. You have power in you. And this is a power beyond yourself, right? When we act out in relationship to the power that God has placed in us, we get to do things beyond what we are capable of doing in our own power. That's the cool thing. This church is a living testimony to that. That people who decided not to make fear-based decisions, but to trust in the power of God at work in them as individuals and collectively, is one of the best things, I think, about this church and the whole run that we've had 
as a church together. You look at some of the things that are going on around here, the ministries that are happening, and what, what's behind that oftentimes is a leader who is working way outside her or his comfort zone. They're not saying, oh, I got this, I could do this, it's no problem, you know, don't even have to break a sweat. You know, that's all fine. I'm more interested in the person who says, I don't know if I can do this. This feels really big to me. I'm not sure I've got it in me to do this. But I feel like God is calling me to do it anyway. (laughs) That's good stuff that's the one that I pull up my chair you know I want to be on the front row and see how God works in their life and works through their life to bless others power now some cautions here let me begin uh, this part by asking you a question is fire good or bad is fire good or bad both when is it good okay (laughs) this is good how about this fire is good when it's under control when it's being used in ways that it's under control and fire is bad when it's out of control because then it can do harm, it can do damage. So Paul, in describing this power, this dunamis, this passion that we have, says, but there are guardrails around it as well. What are the guardrails? Love and self-discipline. The spirit of power also has the spirit of love. And the word he used here is agape. Agape, which is the highest form of love, and it includes sacrificing for the sake or on behalf of others. A love that is self-sacrificing for the good, for the blessing of others. And self-discipline, which can also be translated as right thinking or sound thinking. When you bring a sacrificial love and good thinking, self-discipline around this passion, powerful things can happen. Powerful things do happen. Without it, when it's just passion, it can be dangerous. Go to... Goethe, the uh, German philosopher, said that there is nothing more frightening than active ignorance. There's nothing more frightening than active ignorance. That's passion without agape and self-discipline or sound thinking. We have this passion Passion is a fire, and it needs guardrails. 
And that's where love and self-discipline come in. So why does passion count? Why is passion so necessary? Even though it's hard to count it. Because passion or passionate people are influencers. They attract and impact others. Passionate people are influencers. And think about the people that you know. Do you know people who you would consider to be passionate? And you know, saying all of this stuff, I don't want to give the false impression that a passionate person is always the person who's jumping up and down and waving their arms and all of that kind of stuff because that's not always the case. Sometimes passionate people are understated in the way that they talk about things, but when you listen to them, you can feel their passion. You can feel their energy when they're talking about things that they're passionate about. They're influential people. I love what John Wesley said. A couple of hundred years ago, John Wesley said this to his followers. Light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Isn't that great? Light yourself on fire. I used to, before I ever saw this quote, I used to say, I am so hungry to communicate with folks that if I have to light myself on fire, I would do it. Not literally, because I'm not crazy, okay? I've got some guardrails around me, right? But passionate people are influencers. So here's how Paul ended that little section. Verse 8, this is what he wrote. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, with the passion God gives you, be ready with me, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. You know, again, sometimes as Christ followers, we are so timid, right? So fearful of being open about our faith, of just kind of living it out loud, not being obnoxious, not being a Bible thumper, not, not um, forcing things down people's throats, but to simply live our faith out loud. And to not be ashamed to talk about it. The same was true with Timothy. You know, the difference with Timothy is it could cost him his freedom. It could cost him his life. Nobody's going to lock you up because you talk about your faith in this country. There are countries where that would be true. We're in our own little prisons of fear. And Paul is saying, let your passion out. Don't be afraid, Timothy. Don't be afraid to talk about your faith. And be willing to suffer for your faith. Now, here's the last thing about passion. 
English word passion comes from the Latin, and it literally means to suffer. To suffer. Passion means to suffer. So what in your life is worth suffering for? If the answer is there's nothing worth suffering for, then the question might be, what's worth living for? But what are those things in your life that you're willing to so invest yourself in that even if it requires you to suffer, that you can't help but be a part of it? Patrick Mahomes said to a group of teammates, let's do something special. And what I want to say to you is that's exactly what we're doing as this community of faith in this place. We're doing something special that's making a difference in the lives of people who come here and in the lives of people far beyond this campus. Because as we're following Christ with power and passion and agape love and self-discipline, we are making a difference. We are doing, you are doing something special. Let's stand together for closing prayer. So Lord, thank you that just as Timothy needed to be reminded about his faith, just as he needed to be encouraged to fan his gifts into flame and to live in the power and the love and the self-discipline of the Spirit, we need that reminder as well. So we thank you for these words. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that we get to be a part of what you are doing in this time and in this place when we get to live. We give you thanks and praise. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's people agreed and said, have a great week.